some of you will know that I've just moved house, so I've had rather a lot going on. I've had various builders and plumbers in and out doing work for me. One of the tricky things is finding people you can trust to do a good job. Are they genuine or are they cowboys? You can't tell until you get to know them and see their work over a period of time. If you, can, if you get it wrong, it can be stressful and expensive. I'm really thankful that I've had good people helping me so far. I was thinking about this when I was looking at the verses for today's podcast that Andy's asked me to record. We've already heard quite a lot about Timothy, who's leading the church in Ephesus, and the situation isn't great there. We've heard back in chapter two about Philetus and Hermogenes, who were teaching a twisted gospel message that is spreading like gangrene. It's a horrible picture. It's bringing spiritual death to those who are taken in by it. And Paul is clear in chapter two that it's the devil himself who is behind these lies. Peter showed us last week from the beginning of chapter three, the behavior of these false teachers. They love themselves, they love pleasure, they love power. They're proud and prey on and seek to control the vulnerable rather than seeking to teach the gospel faithfully. Jesus warned about this. By your fruit, by their fruit, you will recognise them. Paul's warning to Timothy is a blunt, have nothing to do with them. Let me read our verses for today. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Paul grabs Timothy's attention. You, Timothy, look at my life. You might be a bit, a bit surprised by this. It sounds as if Paul is being rather full of himself. Look at me, Timothy, I'm great. But I don't think so. Paul is deliberately showing the stark contrast between himself and the false gospel ministers. Timothy's been working alongside Paul for years. He's seen for himself. He does know all about the life that Paul has lived, that Paul's motivation and purpose are to take the gospel to the lost and bring glory to God. He's seen Paul's passionate love for Jesus and Jesus' people. He's watched his patience in the face of desertion, his tolerance with aggravating people and his endurance despite suffering and persecution. Paul is no cowboy minister. He mentions Lystra. Timothy was there with Paul back at the beginning. Surely the sight of Paul being brutally stoned and left for dead for preaching the gospel must have been burnt into Timothy's memory. He's seen God bring Paul through great danger. He knows that Paul is the real thing. So remembering these things and reading Paul's testimony in this moving letter should spur Timothy on to keep on with this gospel work and not be swayed by the false teachers despite their success and popularity. One of my least favourite Bible verses is verse 12 of our passage. 
Whoever wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I don't expect Timothy liked it very much either, but we shouldn't be surprised because like Paul and Timothy, we follow a master who said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. That's from John 15. Why does Timothy need to hear this? It seems as if he may have been wobbling in his faith. He may have been in danger of being taken in by the smooth popular talk of the false teachers and their success compared to Paul, who's currently sitting in prison facing execution. Not a very appealing life to follow. Paul is warning him not to be taken in, not to be infected by this deadly false gospel, but to continue in what he has learned and seen and lived out, not just in Paul's life, but also in the lives of Timothy's godly mother and grandmother, lives grounded on this gospel, flesh and blood proof that this is the true gospel, the promise of life. So why do we need to read this over Timothy's shoulder? I think there are two reasons, some challenges and a comfort. The first challenge is not to be complacent or naive. If Timothy was in danger of wobbling, we could be too. Are we ashamed of this gospel? Are we wanting to leave out the inconvenient bits about sin and judgment? God's right to rule our lives and call the shots. What his word says about identity and sexuality. Are we playing it too safe? Are we trying to be too politically correct? People are watching and following us. We need to set an example and be courageous like Paul and so change the culture that we live in. We need God to show us where we're not doing this. We need to read to Timothy and be spurred on by Paul's courageous example. We need to be prepared to suffer. We need to read about and pray for the many Christians like Asia Bibi, imprisoned and tortured for their faith. And most importantly, we need to ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline, because we can't do this on our own. There's also a challenge to pray for and pass this on to and live lives that set an example to those we lead and care for in our home groups and particularly our young people. We need to pray that they will be more grounded in this gospel, more wise and more courageous than us, that they will be prepared to continue in this gospel in a society moving further away from and becoming more hostile to it. Let's pray for them to be filled with God's spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Let's pray for the elders that they too will courageously continue in and hold out this gospel and teach it faithfully to our church family. But lastly, I think there is also a great comfort here. God knows all about this. He knows our weaknesses and our fears. He's not threatened by the changing views and morality of society. He's God Almighty and it's his gospel that we must pass on. It's the promise of life, real life, eternal life, life lived in relationship with him, 
That's the reason that holding on to it and passing it on is worth suffering for.